It's a real pleasure to have Cindy Ford today with me. Uh, Cindy, uh, welcome to Global 20. Um, huge amara of everything you've done in terms of your innovation and environmental work, which we're going to talk about in the next 20 minutes. Um, I'm going to list off some of these things that you've done, which are so long, I could probably spend the full 20 minutes <laughs> recounting your uh, incredible uh, uh, career to date. But you're the co-founder of Planetary. You're the was the MD of the Blue Marine Foundation, which is uh, part of the Great British Ocean Coalition. CEO of the Cambridge Science Centre. Uh, you've got an MSc in Sustainability and Business Practice. Uh, you've got uh, works that you've produced in terms of, we're going to talk about today, in terms of published works, including a number of children's books, which I believe are getting all sorts of awards at the moment, which is wonderful. Um, and you really work around the climate uh, issues and innovation, which is the main theme for today. And your newest book, Bright New World, which I have a copy of, actually, because you kindly gave a signed copy for my daughter to have a read. So here we go. This is the first plug. Uh, has uh, I know had huge acclaim has just been has just come out. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, and but also about other environmental innovations. So your CV I could go on. It's quite remarkable. But the common theme is innovation and the environment. Is that a fair comment, Cindy? Yes, that's absolutely right, Ben. And it's absolutely wonderful to be here. And I really appreciate you inviting me on today's program. Not at all. The pleasure is all ours. Um, we've done a bit of a run on environmental themes uh, for Global 20, and it is part of our commitment to shine another torch onto environmental issues. Um, so we did a, a couple back, uh, which was uh, with the head of the Natural History Museum, Natural History Museum, um, Doug Gurr, and he talked about the sixth extinction moment, uh, which is definitely worth looking at that Global uh, 20 interview and how we avert it and what we can do about it and that whole in, interesting area of biomass, biosphere, and biodiversity, which is, you know, huge themes in, in that space. You have actually been very involved in innovating in the environmental space over the, over the years, and we're going to talk about a couple of examples of that. Another environmental issue that we talked on the last Global 20 was Planet Tracker, which I don't know if you've come across, but that's another philanthropically funded initiative, which I thought was fascinating, and it kind of weaves in right from the idea of the sixth extinction moment, which we're going to try and avoid, through to how we plan, how we track the planet and see how it's doing, not so well as according to, to that interview, uh, right into actually what do we do about it, which is today's discussion. So welcome. Hopefully we can theme it on this innovation and environment. In actual fact, one of your roles, as many that I mentioned, is around that. I don't know if you can share that particular role in terms of developing innovation and sustainability. In um in in philanthropy or in sustainability uh, in sustainability yeah yeah well I think um you know I'm I'm involved in that in a number of ways because I think what we're looking at in innovation for sustainability is is really systemic change so in some of the projects I work on are systemic changes to education that's the one of the companies I've founded called um, Planetari some of that is around systemic changes to how we behave and how we value. How we what we put place a financial value on, and that's that's reflected in an organisation, another organisation I've co-founded called um, Candu. I'm also involved in, I, you know, I wear I wear various hats, and one of them is advisory to the Environmental Funders Network, and one is a trustee of um, an environmental philanthropic organisation. And and in, in even it, when I use I reference those in innovations and sustainability because I think. 
innovations in philanthropy had a big role to play in how we face this existential crisis that um, that Doug Gerg referred to uh, you know, as a sixth mass extinction in, in, in the interview that you've just referenced. So I think the role of philanthropy is also a place where innovation can really be extremely powerful in making a much more optimistic and positive, um, painting a much more optimistic and positive future for us. And it's a, a growth business as well, which is why we've shone a torch on it. Um, I was just looking at the stats and globally, it, I think it's only about 2% of all giving around the world, but it's 5% in the UK and hopefully growing. Um, all the all the signs are that, that this is really growing. We, we had our last talk in philanthropy where we had an environmental uh, session where it talked about why you would give to environmental issues. That was now nearly two years ago. And one of the things came out is to how... How do you actually relate to it? How do you relate your philanthropic intervention to helping environmental and climate change? And I think today's conversation is, a, is some great examples about perhaps, and philanthropists out there, how they can actually work with you in terms of making intervention, but also the interventions that you've seen that have worked and the innovation. But in that discussion, it was very much about, you know, this is so overwhelming. What do I do about it? How can I do anything about it? And second to that, you know, surely it's government. Well, of course, we've seen government goes hot and cold on this subject so the role of philanthropy i think you're you're quite right this is so critical in how we address some of these challenges so let's go straight into the book we want to talk a little bit about i can um but we'll do that next or can do sorry i can i can can do <laughs> i can do um and we'll talk about that next but first let's talk about the book so as i say my daughter who's 11 uh loved the book it's probably on the on the older side of the reading uh, spectrum but she absolutely loved it and i say i've got a copy here which she's even put little stickers in uh bits that she liked so we've had a good chat about it you've had a good critique review which has gone very well but tell us a little bit more why did you why did you write the book and what is the book about well thanks ben i'm so glad that your daughter loved it first of all that's brilliant news um, yes, well, I've worked in the, the sustainability, the climate change, the net zero space, if you like, for you know for about um, over 25 years. And I've worked at the, at the level of the UN with governments, with large corporations, and I think there's you know, really valuable work happening there. But all the time, it, the, the thought that comes into my mind or has come into my mind over those years is, what about if we had this generation of human beings that really got this stuff? So instead of sticking plasters over disasters, if you like, or fixing things up at the end or learning how to do less bad, we teach our children from the word go how to, to do more good, how to, no matter what they want to be, whether it's astrophysicists or hairdressers, they do everything in line with the planetary boundaries. So you have regenerative organizations, you know that these things can be mitigated and can be fixed rather than landing on this planet at this really difficult moment of human history and being filled with despair. You actually have the tools in your hand to build this pathway to the brighter future, which we all know is possible. So I've, I've worked in children's education and I just thought you know, the time has come to really put this into a book so that children, schools, families, you mentioned that 11 is at the older reading age, I would say no, 111. This <laughs> and it really is this blueprint to um, how we build a much a, a brighter future. And it's, there's nothing fantastical in the book at all. It's all based on the real science that we have now, on the solutions that we have now, on the innovations that we have now. I guess my biggest, um, 
my biggest leap of faith, if you like, in the book is that as human, as a human family, we shift how we think and we shift how we do things because that ultimately is all it does take to to get to this brighter future. So I thought it's vital to put this knowledge into children's hands. So instead of despair, they have this you know, this blueprint for hope and they know that they can be part of this transformation and be part of co-creating the kind of world that we all that we all want. I mean, I, I absolutely love it. Um, and, uh, you know, for so many reasons, and it's and it's mainly what you're saying about positive and optimism about, the, you know, these are the problems. This is and it's very kind of scientific, isn't it? There's a lot of science in here. These are the issues. This is how we can solve it. Um, and uh, actually, there is a positive outlook, I think, with COVID with all the difficulties that a lot of young people have been through and challenges, there is maybe this tendency just to think that it's all so overwhelming. There's no kind of bright future here. So the idea of turning that on its head and actually explaining the environmental issues behind some of the strains and stresses that the planet's under at the moment, and actually suggesting ways that we can actually act as humans to resolve those issues in a positive way, I think it's so powerful. So I'm not surprised it's won all sorts of accolades Awards, I'm sure, if not already, it will do. <laughs> I know I won some best books uh, reviews recently, um, but it really is fantastic. So well done. And what other feedback have you had from it, from the from the public now it's being produced? Yeah, it, I think it is getting really good feedback. Yes, I was, I was delighted it was picked as one of the top uh, new children's books by The Guardian. It's been reviewed this week in The New Scientist. It's, it's won you know, awards from different organisations that can see it as a really vital tool in enabling us to understand how we can make this transition. Because I think something making something that's childlike, if you like, bright, beautiful colours, delightful, an invitation to explore, is so much more accessible than some of the really, you know, it is, we are, there's no denying that we, this is a challenge. But I think if people feel overwhelmed by how much there is to do and how difficult it is, how depressing it all is, then they feel paralysed and they they can't act. But when you're given a, an invitation, hey, look, this is the kind of world we can have. It looks like this. That's what the book does. Each section opens with the... Um, it looks at the different pressures currently on our system, the main pressures on our planetary boundaries, like our food system, our transport system, our energy system, how we treat our carbon sinks, our oceans, our rainforests. And it shows if we did things differently, it speaks back from the future. Hey, look, here we are. We did things differently, not if. We've done them differently. We've got here. It's fine. We're safe. We can do this. And then it looks at where the problems are. And then it takes children, teachers, families on this journey to how we can get to that bright place in the future. So it breaks it down to, into, into relatively simple uh, concepts, and it all, but, but leading always with, we've done it, we made it, we can yeah. do this. And so it, it really leads with that positivity, which I think is missing in a lot of the dialogue around um, the crisis that we face. And I think that's much more powerful and much more motivating than saying, oh God, it's awful, we've only got eight years, it's terrible, we can't do anything about it, you know, game over, or even too hard, too difficult. It's like- Too hard, too difficult, yeah. And um, I think when we spoke, I, I was teasing you and said, well, it, it would be brilliant to get this into every single bookshop uh, and every single child's classroom, actually. I'm sure it's probably in most bookshops now, but in terms of child's classrooms, I think you said that would cost about £250,000 to get it into every classroom in the country. So- uh, if that's if there's anyone out there that wants to get this incredible book and sponsor it and put it all the put it in all the schools in the country, this is one of the biggest philanthropic opportunities I've seen. Great value, but never know, never know. So there might be someone out there, Cindy, thank, that can do that. Thank you, Ben. That is I'm really sure. 
an ambition for the book with some of the organisations I work with is to get it into all schools in the in the UK, uh, so that children, you know, schools that that kind of that wouldn't necessarily be able to afford the book can have access to what's in it. I'm doing workshops with schools, really happy to go in and work with the schools, whether they have the book or not, but to really enable that to find a place in the curriculum and in and in, in the life of um the daily life of schools and, and the schools that it's in are doing incredible things not just because of the book but because the teachers really understand the importance of equipping children to be able to take on these challenges and I'm I'm just every time I go into the schools I'm I'm amazed by how much they get it and how much work they're doing they beautiful work so yeah we are trying to expand that and get it into schools across the country and i'm sure this will happen i'm sure with your perseverance so why don't we move on now to other uh it's the same theme it's really innovation and how you lead innovation in terms of uh in terms of climate awareness and intervention and also how can philanthropy back that innovation so there is this incredible app uh concept that you've developed and i want you to explain it when you explained it to me, it was like light bulbs going on all at the same time. I mean, I, I think it's absolutely phenomenal. So take us through this new app and uh, what's what's in store for some more technology. So we've gone from good old style books in schools to the other extreme, which is using technology to intervene. So tell us a bit more. Well, thanks again, Ben. The app's called Can Do, and in its shortest form, we're referring to it as Uber for the Planet. So instead of your side hustle being um, going and driving a taxi, you can get, go on this app and you can find jobs that are regenerative, that are climate positive, that help Earth regenerate in your area. And you can do them. And it's, so you can do them. When I speak, a lot of people come up and they ask me and say, well, what can we do? What can we do? And you can list off things. But now we can actually put this app into people's hands so that they can, they can do this, they can be involved in this work. And at the heart of this, uh, of CANDU, is radical collaboration, because we're bringing corporates together, we're bringing um, conservation organisations together, like Earthwatch or Naturewatch or Surfers Against Sewage, and we're bringing philanthropists together, so that they all, every, we all have a piece of the puzzle. Some people can do things, some people can fund things, some people have the work and the skills to know what needs to be done. So on this app, we bring everybody together. So the jobs are funded by corporates, either corporate subscriptions because they can subscribe to the app so their employers, their employees can be part of the, the, the amazing force that do this work. And they it also helps them to meet their ESG requirements. The um the philanthropists are, are there's also a there's a there's a for-profit and there's a not-for-profit model. So the philanthropists fund the work. And then the job providers are people like I've just mentioned, some people like Earthwatch or, or any organizations that have these types of regenerative work that needs to be done. So this the app, I spoke to um a brilliant person that from a, you may be familiar with Project Drawdown. It's one of the biggest kind of um, most widely accepted metrics of measuring what's happening on our planet and how what, mm -hmm. which 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 areas of 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 um of our systems have the greatest effect on our carbon emissions or our biodiversity. And they said the problem isn't one of um you know of what of knowing what can be done. The problem is facilitating it. It's a facilitation right. problem. And so can do facilitates all the different parts of society that needs to be mobilized into um you know in the simple app that enables, as I say, the people to do the jobs, the people to fund the jobs and the people with the knowledge and the skills to run the jobs. And in a in a simple, a relatively simple app, we can get all this done. So just to kind of 
elaborate a bit because I think it's it's conceptually so simple but yet so brilliant. So if I was to play it back, um, you you sit you're seeking and continue to seek funders to provide capital to potentially reward people that participate on the app uh, as a point of, of basically um, encouraging people to do it as a kind of a payment. Is that right? So you've got the underwriting of it to drive, uh, and this is all within the SDG frameworks to drive uh, people to actually enable them to get involved. And those that need to be paid can be paid. Those that don't, I think, can donate back their pay. Is that right? So you've got that point. So I, so I want to do something good on the planet, um, which I do. So I then go onto the app and I find, I don't know, um, a local beach or something that may have an opportunity for me to come and clear up plastic or a forest where I could go and intervene or whatever it might be, soil forest, whatever it might be, which are SDG aligned, I can go and if I choose, I could get paid for that service, right? So you connect, is that right? So you're connecting the service with the person that wants to help. But I could also choose to give the pay back to the organization so that gets recycled to other people. The organization is getting that essentially for free, but it's getting something that's helping them uh, fulfill their ESG, but it's also helping them help the planet. And obviously, if it's an if it's an NGO or charity, that's fantastic because they're trying to mobilize more people and support. Is that kind of, is that a bit simple? Is that kind of how this works? No, that's Just... absolutely, that's absolutely right, Ben. That's exactly it. Because also within the app, we are trying as, as you know, there's brilliant, you mentioned Carbon Tracker earlier on. There's, there's amazing, there's, there's Kate Ra with, with Donut Economics. There's amazing work going on really, which is shifting where we place our economic value because where the economic value goes, our human energy goes that's that's the way our systems are designed but unfortunately a lot of people will need to get up and do a job in the morning which is actually more part of the problem than part of the solution because that's what they're paid to do so can do also tries to make an intervention here where we actually start paying people to do the regenerative work that all, all companies are eventually that's what carbon tracker is so brilliant you know all all companies will eventually need to be in business to to um you know to 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 uh, aligned with the SDGs, aligned with the the, um, the global the um, the planetary boundaries, or you can't stay in business. You know those that we're in the last era. If we want to have a, a successful future as a species, where we cannot, you know, our, our 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 work, the work we do, the corporations need to be aligned. They can't carry on destroying Earth. They need to be aligned with helping Earth regenerate or mitigate. So we're starting to get people paid to do work that is climate positive. And um, the other thing, the other piece in that is a lot of people, a lot in, in the um, the conservation space or the volunteering space is often a, a very single demographic that can afford, that has the time and the money to do that. So it tends to be older, um, an older demographic. It tends to be a middle-class demographic and, and in the global north, certainly a white demographic. So we're trying to make this type of work, work that you get paid for, and therefore we can mobilize people at scale because if we all did something, the aggregate of that is huge. And but the reason that a lot of people can't do it is because they, they are so busy just trying it's a barrier. To, to survive. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I, sorry, but no, so you're you know, you I mean this is this is a brilliant example of bringing technology to almost it's like a dating app in a way because you're kind it of is. getting people to yeah. date that want to do people that need a they've got a problem that needs to be solved that's <clears throat> that actually is going to help the environment and you've got people that want to do something but perhaps can't afford it or could do it on a on, on, on a different basis and it, it removes the barrier for them to participate and it enables that capital flow workflow to come and 
actually solve the problem. So, and presumably you're going to track this in terms of how much impact it makes. Is that the co- yeah, concept? Yeah, the, the data piece is, is really huge. So if, if corporates are, are involved, they would get a dashboard, which would say exactly where their money went, what their employees did, what that enabled other people to do, and what that, we're, we're, as I say, we're aligning it with Project Drawdown. So the metrics show aggregated what effect that has had on the main, on, on CO2 emissions, on biodiversity, so that you get a very almost a scorecard once you do that and data is becoming increasingly important as you will know the new new york stock exchange just launched the um sea index the environmental index but so much more aware now that nature has to be on the balance sheet so can do will provide the metrics that can say that that can enable that to be measured in financial terms as well so it looks like a very simple app for the doer and we need it to be simple so that people will do sure. it and get rewarded for doing the work and taking these you know short courses as well but but actually behind it is this really powerful tool for gathering this data to put nature on the balance sheet and it will scale, it, presumably this could scale globally. I mean, there's no limits, right? Once it's up and running, it's sort of... It is a global... <laughs> you can have the whole planet mobilised around an app, planet. right? In a way, same way that Uber is. You know, anywhere you go, you get out your Uber and guess what? There's a car within a exactly. XYZ few hundred metres, you know? So there's no reason I can uh, I could imagine this completely scaling up. So two two questions. If I'm interested in hearing more about it, where do I go to look? just as a technology piece, if I, because I think it's applicable, by the way, and lots of other organizations, I'm, you know, on Monday, actually, I'm doing an envisaging with another organization, I'm going to suggest that they look at something similar, in terms of their work, they've got a, they, they kind of date, but they do it on a very old school basis, you know, filling out forms and picking up telephones, they don't, they're not using the technology to kind of embrace this, but that the outcomes aren't that dissimilar in terms of, you know, they're doing very important environmental work. So, you know, presumably there's there's lots of other applications. So who, for people that are interested in this space, what, where do they go to find out more about how, you, how you've constructed this and what it looks like? Sure, well, there, we have our website, which is www.candu.world. You'll get to a generic info place. So you're very welcome to contact me on my own website, which is cindyford.world as well. And I, you know, I will certainly respond to all emails that come through the, um, the query. And, and in terms of in terms of the philanthropy, I mean, I was tongue in cheek, but I was actually being quite serious about the two hundred fifty thousand. But you know, what what is it? What is the role of the philanthropist in all of this? Is it just to provide a float to pay the people, or is it to build the app? I mean, what's how does philanthropy get involved in this initiative? Well, yeah, as I said, it's it's radical collaboration. So we're working with people at, at different levels. You know, certainly it's unlocking those philanthropic funds to to enable people to do this work to to you know to help drive the corporate ESG. But people are coming in in different ways because there are obviously philanthropists who are much more. You know, some people just want to to put in the funds and know that that's well being well spent. But some people are actually so intrigued by what we're doing that they're actually they're actually taking on, on a larger role you know in helping us design the projects that are being um in our pilots or looking at how because we're really keen for this to scale globally and i think the global south is really important because people get paid so poorly over there to do quite destructive jobs so how about if you were getting paid to yeah. sargassum to plant mangroves so we've got philanthropists who've got special interest in those areas and you know they can really see this as the facilitation that can get those that kind of work done so yes funds and yes funds and more than that but it is it, as i say it is about radical collaboration so we're really interested in in speaking to you know to people at all levels of involvement really 
Yeah, I think this is probably a good way to draw the 20 minutes to a close because we've running out of time as, as usual. But I think what a fantastic, two brilliant examples of innovation and how philanthropy can drive innovation and how it can lead to behavior change and actually help make a massive difference on the, on the planet. I'm quite sure the, the app will take off. So uh, I'm looking forward to landing in another country and getting out my app and seeing what good work is going on and how it's changing the, the world quite literally, because I could think it's, it really will you know, scale up in a way that um, I think will be quite remarkable. So, and it also comes, uh, as you, as you be aware, the global 20, we've done a lot of work around the environmental to try and shine a light. And we've had Doug uh, talking about, you know, really creative and interesting applications in terms of uh, what the natural history museum is doing, but also, uh, you know, this huge threat ahead of us and how we need to work around it. Then we've had the, my last interview uh, talking with Planet Tracker about how we're tracking the planet. And then this interview, I think, sits really well in terms of really how we use innovation and philanthropy and new ideas to actually change behavior and encourage the next generation to think about the world differently and act differently um, and uh, actually make a real difference. So I think on that note, I've probably run out of my 20 minutes. So thank you so much, Cindy. For your time today keep innovating i mean it's amazing god you might don't know how you sleep at night all these ideas coming out oh, children's book app <laughs> keep innovating keep leading um and i hope philanthropy can really play a role in making getting these to market but also driving them as, as an engine so congratulations yeah. thank you so much ben and thank you so much for for your role in global philanthropic and for and to all the philanthropists out there who are enabling us to move at the speed and the scale that we need to solve this crisis so a big thank you to the community as well it's a positive story uh, uh to end a, a very positive interview so thank you and look forward to talking more uh in the future absolutely thanks ben <laughs>